Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. My measure, David, and I take a look at when things really begin to change, is when the social culture changes. I think Will and Grace probably did more to educate the American public than almost anything anybody's ever done so far. From WNYC Studios, this is Nancy with your hosts Tobin Lowe and Kathy Tu. So, Kathy. Yeah, Tobin. Do you know why I've dragged us into the studio? You keep asking me this, but I'll play along. (laughs) Why are we here? Because as of today, Thursday, September 28th, on NBC, the national broadcasting company. Let's move this along. Will and Grace is back. This show has so much personal importance to me. So, like, while young gay Tobin was looking up gay stuff on the internet and then wiping (laughs) the browser clean, this was the show that I could watch out in the open with my parents. And the characters, I feel like they taught me so much. Like, Will and Grace showed me the sacredness of the gay man-straight girl friendship. Wax. It's just a plain old wax, but it hurts so much I treat myself to a waffle afterwards. Jack was like a how-to of being flamboyant and proud. Just Jack. <laughs> Touch me in the morning. And Karen could sink a devastating one-liner. I think the real mistake was when your father spotted your mother across a crowded swamp. <laughs> yeah, it was like a really good sitcom. I can tell from the tone of your voice (laughs) that this is not as serious for you. I mean, it was like a solid show. I laughed a lot. I love Jack. I love Karen. Mm -hmm. But it was nowhere near as formative for me as, like, Xena. But, like, I still liked it. This is all that I'm going to get from you. You know what we should be talking about, Tobin? Okay. Did you know that Kate Blanchett was recently tapped to play Lucille Ball in Aaron Sorkin's biopic of Lucille Ball? This, yeah, I did know this. Kate Blanchett, come on, it should be Deborah Messing. (laughs) I mean, the fact that she's not playing Lucille Ball is just a travesty. Deborah Messing is a huge fan of I Love Lucy. Huge fan. Lucy's kids have said Deborah Messing should play Lucy. And Deborah Messing just looks like Lucy. Aren't you excited, though, to see how seriously Kate Blanchett is going to play this part? Like, (laughs) Ricky, why do you not play the Babalu for me? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) Okay, okay. We've gotten off track. Back Mm -hmm. to my thing, Will and Grace. I just want to say a couple things about why this show deserves its propers. So, like, first of all, it won 16 Emmys. Vice President Joe Biden said it's like the reason we have gay marriage. I'm also just going to say it. Andy Cohen wouldn't exist without this show. I'm not making the connection, but I get it. You love the show. Well, yes, I, I love the show. I really do. I am also feeling deeply stressed about it coming back. Like... At the time, the show was ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. But now it kind of feels like a big gay time capsule. (laughs) Okay. So, like, almost everyone on the show was white. They almost never had sex. And for a gay show, they spent a lot of time making kind of shitty jokes about other gay people. Did you say D? 
DNM properties? <laughs> oh, honey, you do not want to go up against them. That's Deirdre and Monet, the flipping dykes. <laughs> These ladies are vicious. Mess with their livelihood and they come down on you hard. And your only warning is the click, click, click of their Manolos. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie, Tobin. This doesn't sell me on the show. I am so conflicted, Kathy, and mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not the only one. Like, I've had this conversation with other gay men, and we're all sort of expressing this joyful apprehension mm-hmm. <laughs> about the show coming back, and we don't know how to feel about it. So I brought someone into the studio to talk about it. We're going to talk about why we loved the show, why it was problematic as hell. We're also going to talk about Mapanko. What the hell's Mapanko? We're going to find out after the break. Nancy will be back in a minute. Look, what you called Jack was pretty harsh. I mean, wh- I mean, what do you say about me behind my back? That you should never wear capri pants. <laughs> So we're going to talk about Will and Grace. Yeah. The easy thing to start with is just introduce yourself, who you are, what you do. Sure. Uh, I'm Alex Jung. I am a staff writer at Vulture slash New York Magazine, and I cover pop culture stuff. My first question is, did you watch the show when you were younger? Totally. So, like, what were your feelings about it? Did it help you understand gay culture? Like, what did you feel about Will and Grace? Will and Grace came out in 1998 which was when I was in end of middle school, beginning of high school, somewhere around there. And so that was when I first was figuring out my sexuality. And there weren't a lot of things that I could watch on television that spoke to that experience at all, right? It was uh, literally three things. Will and Grace, Queer as Folk, which I downloaded off of LimeWire. <laughs> and then also Sex and the City, which I downloaded off of LimeWire too. <laughs> and those were the three shows that I would watch uh, and sort of like ravenously look for clues about like how to be this person, right? And of course, like most of them, like Sex and the City and Will and Grace were set in New York. And so it created this fantasy or this idea of like what New York City would be like if and when I got there. But uh, that illusion also shatters, I think, uh, very quickly um, once you actually move there. And you're like, oh, no, it takes a lot of money to look the way they do. <laughs> <laughs> and and also it's just the problem, I think, is that it does become very prescriptive in a sense about like, you know, what does it look like to be a gay man mm-hmm. um, in New York City, for instance. And, and I don't think the show ever really pulled away from that image, even if it made fun of it. Yeah. Do you have favorite moments that you remember from the show? I <laughs> I was watching the episode where uh, they had discovered that Jack hadn't come out to his mom. You told me you took an oath before God and your mother that you would never deny who you are. I lied. You told me some elaborate story about how you came out to her as a way of avoiding peewee football. I lied. And it's a Thanksgiving a episode. episode. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> and they're like forcing him to do it. Yeah. It's just like The jokes are excellent, right? And Karen and Grace then start acting and fighting over this pretend relationship with Jack Mm -hmm. and this manufactured drama. Yeah. And there are, like, some lines in there that are just, like, like delicious, (laughs) right? Like, 
uh, Karen, like, telling Grace. He was looking for a real woman, not somebody who just lays there like bib lettuce. <laughs> and just the way she says bib lettuce. <laughs> I also remember, doesn't, doesn't Grace come back and say, like, well, when he left you, what did he say? Oh, yes. My Harold and Maud phase is over. <laughs> <laughs> It was so good. It was so good. I remember that episode, too, because it wasn't just that he was coming out, but it, like, introduced me to this idea that when I was ready to come out, there could be such thing as, like, a network of friends who right. would be, like, a safety net right. around me. Right. I admire you, Jack, because you are more yourself than anyone else I have ever known. Well, look, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but this is different. My, my mother will fall apart. She's, she's Jack, 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 Jack. Aren't you tired yet? And there was something about Will and Grace that I think, because of what it was at the time, like, you didn't actually have a lot of gay relationships, like, dating on the show, right? Mm. Like, that didn't happen for a really long time, and it was part of the criticism of the show. But in some ways, it's, like, perfect for a teenager, like, struggling with their sexuality Mm -hmm. to, like, watch it and, like, watch this, like, grown man go through the same problems. We talked about favorite moments. Did you have least favorite moments? Uh, I hated the kiss between Will and Jack. Okay, so this is the episode where there's supposed to be a gay kiss on, like, a soap opera they love. Will, tonight you're making dinner, and the three of us will be parked in front of your TV to watch our new favorite sitcom, Along Came You. And why is our new favorite sitcom? Because tonight, Ed and Gerard are going to kiss. Only the first ever primetime network kiss between two gay men. Oh, what's tonight? Uh, it's in TV Guide, don't you read? And then it doesn't happen. So they go to uh, the Today Show and they, like, force this to happen on, like, the audience cam with Al Roker. <laughs> right. And uh, I remember that episode because basically the show had been criticized for not showing gay storylines. And so they wrote a meta commentary episode addressing the criticism. And so this is their way of, quote-unquote, addressing the drama, where then Will, you know, like, forces it on him. So it's not romantic, it's just literal, right? It's like literally two men kiss. Um, And that that was supposed to be what we get. Yeah. uh, Which I found, like, incredibly condescending. (laughs) (laughs) Even on the gay show, the kiss is like a comedic moment kind right. of thing. Right. Yeah. It's not sexual. Um, it's and and that was always, I think, the problem, if we are to level a problem with Jack, mm-hmm. was never really about flamboyance, I think, yeah. to me at least. Because mm-hmm. even now I kind of love it, like rewatching it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Jack is great. Yeah. Like Jack is someone who like really owns who he is, does not give a fuck. He knows lots of references. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But also like uh Jack would be having way more sex too, you know, or like there yeah. would just he would just be a much more, I think, like less of a neutered character than they created, mm. which is I think where the problem was. So yeah, there was this thing about the criticism against Jack. There was uh, there was a lot of criticism that he was like a stereotype, right? And I don't know, like I want to get into that with you because I when I was thinking about the show, now that I am an adult gay man, it's kind of like I know people like Jack. <laughs> like I know Jacks. Totally. <laughs> if I were to think about it, like the show did engage in like what his professional hopes were, like right. what jobs he wanted to have. 
So I'm wondering, like, now, looking back, do you think there was an element of, like, gays who felt Jack was, like, quote, bad for the gays? Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I and you still see it now, I think, in gay culture in certain ways, right? This mm-hmm. uh, push towards mask bros. <laughs> 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 and this desire that everyone should sort of be able to uh, pass as straight uh, yeah. in some ways, at least aesthetically, maybe. I think that's why rewatching Jack is kind of great because he does feel uh, like a character of an era that I really enjoy mm-hmm. and I think exists in the world. Especially anyone who is like theater adjacent. <laughs> You're like, yeah. of course Jack exists in this world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're in this moment right now where like all of TV basically is getting rebooted. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's like Twin Peaks, Full House. X-Files sort of came back. Yeah. With all these reboots, some of them go like the time capsule route. Some of them go the like, we're going to try and modernize a little bit to encapsulate like the way the world is now. Right. Do you have a hope for which route Will and Grace will go? That's a good question. And I don't know if I have a good answer. And Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to hear what you think. (laughs) Um, Only in the sense that in a way, I think a show is what it is. And, like, it, it has its own skeleton. And a lot of that is determined by the cast and the characters that you ended up creating. Yeah. And so I'm not really a fan when they're like, okay, well, let's address this race problem by then bringing in, like, a character arc with Donald Glover or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know? Like, obviously, I'm thinking about girls here in a sense. <laughs> but, like, that was sort of what happened. And I feel like in a lot of ways you sort of have to be true to what the show is. And a lot of that, to me, is about whiteness. Like, it's about sort of being uh, aspirationally mobile, white, uh, well-to-do, and kind of heteronormative in a lot of ways. And I think, like, that's the sandbox that you're in, and that's kind of the sandbox you have to play in. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I was thinking about with, you know, should they modernize should they not modernize like should they open the lens of like what their thing is or not but i oddly enough i thought back to the scene that was in the original run mm. where it's like something where they all get woken up in the middle of the night and jack walks out of his bedroom and he is with i think a filipino man oh uh-huh. who are you <laughs> the panko like the candy treat And don't worry, Jack has a black belt in Taekwondo. The Navy SEALs, they train him for this sort of thing. And, and like, that person is there purely as a punchline. Uh Like, the fact that he's there, I think his body is a little bit of a punchline. The fact that he Uh doesn't speak great English is, like, a punchline. Uh And I remember watching that as, like, a young person, and not until that moment really realizing what the lens of the show was, if that makes sense. Because suddenly it was like like a wake-up call of like, oh, now they're trying to deal with the race thing and they did it in a really shitty way. Right, right. So I think about that now with should they modernize, should they not? And it's a little bit like, I don't know if it's in their toolbox. Right. You know, I mean, these shows were always about white gay male sensibility. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's sort of what I mean even about coming to New York. Uh, As a gay Asian guy, you like go to New York and you think it's, you think that your life is going to be like Will, but then you realize you're actually that unnamed uh, Asian guy who's the punchline. <laughs> Not to get too dark on that. No, no, it's so real. I'm just going to take a five-minute break, and then we can come back. <laughs> 
So in this reboot, they are also pulling the kind of classic, now classic move in reboots, which is just that they're going to ignore the last (laughs) episode Uh and all that transpired. Right. Do you have feelings about that? Uh, I don't. I actually, I'm like, all right, sure. (laughs) I was hoping you would have, I have so many feelings about this. Wait, then maybe you should tell me what your feelings are because I think I don't have feelings about it. Well, so it was it was kind of an all-over-the-place last season, and they went with the storyline where Will and Grace have a huge falling out and mm-hmm. don't speak for basically, like, the rest of their adult lives. Mm-hmm. And then they meet up again as older parents who are dropping their kids off at college. Right. And then there's this really neat storyline of, you know, their kids fall in love and get married. Mm-hmm. And that's what brings them back together. Mm-hmm. But I did think that there was something in there, as clunkily as it was done, there was like a nugget of an interesting storyline that I was fascinated that they tried to tackle, which is I think as a gay man, I've had the experience Mm -hmm. of having a dysfunctionally close relationship with a female friend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that in some ways that can't last in that way Mm -hmm. forever. Right. And I have experienced the like breakup of that. Right. Because you need to move on with your life. Totally. Um, And so I thought it was interesting that they tried to do something with that. Right. And I'm a little bummed that they're now going to be like, just kidding. They stayed friends forever. It was totally (laughs) fine. They just kept going the way they were going. Right. Okay. No, I hear you. (laughs) Because I agree. Like, I do think that there is something really interesting there about Mm -hmm. like, like, I think that dynamic, that relationship dynamic is a real one. And Mm -hmm. also it's disintegration. Uh, is a real one, especially when you're confronted by these pressures about, like, baby or marriage or these things. And, like, how does this kind of non-traditional, quote-unquote, relationship function then when there are these other pressures around uh, heteronormativity, yeah. for lack of a better word? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fa- like that's a fascinating thing to go into. Uh, is Will and Grace the show to do that? I have no <laughs> idea. Touche. Touche. <laughs> we'll have you on again in a couple months and be like, oh no, we misjudged this whole thing. <laughs> we can have a reboot of this conversation. Yes. <laughs> but we're going to ignore that the last question happened. Right. How about that? <laughs> Alex Jung is a staff writer for Vulture at New York Magazine. You can find us on all the social media places. We're at Nancy Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if there's any justice in the world, you'll all join me in signing my Change.org petition to tell Aaron Sorkin to stop messing around and cast Deborah Messing in his Lucille Ball biopic. Okay, there's no petition. We cannot do that. There is no justice in this world. All right. Producer. Matt Collette. Sound designers. Matt Boynton and Jeremy Bloom. Intern. Elizabeth D. Editor. Jenny Lawton. Executive producer. Paula Schumann. I'm Tobin Lowe. I'm Kathy Too. And Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios. The only warning you'll have is the click, click, click of their Manolos. What's a Manolo? A Manolo Blahnik. What's a Manolo Blahnik? It's a shoe. It's a fancy type of shoe. <laughs> I have to explain everything to you. <laughs> I have to explain every single thing. <laughs>